0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Vince, for those announcements. Uh, good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. Welcome to New City. Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name's Kenny, one of the pastors here. So glad that you're with us. Um, we're going to be turning to the book of John, chapter 12. So if you would, turn there uh, on your device or Bible. If you don't have a Bible, um, we've got a few right here on this table. Does anyone need one or want one? Raise your hand. I'll walk one over to you. Um, if you uh, don't own a Bible, this is our gift to you. Please take it home today. We want to give that to you. Um, glad to see all of you guests. Thanks for visiting us um, as we get used to this new space that uh, we feel so blessed to be in. Um, we're glad to have you here. I said last week, it's kind of like when you have company and you're uh, cleaning your house like right before the company comes over and you're, you know what that feeling's like? Okay, yeah. So we, f- we feel that way a little bit getting used to the new space, but we're glad that... Um, You guys are all here with us today. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start reading from the book of John, chapter number 12. We're going to read the first 11 verses, and uh, we'll we'll get right into it. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived many Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in Him. This is God's Word. Couldn't Mary have at least used a towel? (laughs) Does anyone else think that when you read this? Anyone? (laughs) I mean... Isn't it gutsy enough that she took an entire bottle of perfume that was worth a year's wages of a day laborer and spent that all in a few minutes? But then, you know, she didn't even just ask one of the disciples for a hand towel. She wipes it with her hair. Shouldn't, couldn't she have done something a little less offensive, a little less suggestive? Something that wouldn't be so uncomfortable that one of Jesus' twelve, and if you read this, uh, this account in, in Matthew and Mark, it's more than just Judas who's a little weirded out by this. And you know what she could have, but the beauty of Mary's act is the audacity she had. The audacity and the lengths that she was willing to go to show her devotion and her affection, her gratitude for Jesus, her willingness to serve him, to take the position of a servant at his feet. And we can learn a lot from Mary. And I mean, I hope we can because I'm going to talk about it today. (laughs) But the first thing we can learn, and this is whether you're here and you believe in Jesus or whether you don't, you were meant for a life of communion and intimate relationship with the God who created you. Not a stagnant, static acquaintance with a distant deity out there somewhere, but a dynamic relationship with God himself. And in this passage, Judas is in contrast to Mary as a version of a false disciple compared to a true disciple, In fact, just the next chapter, if you keep reading, Jesus is the one who gets down and washes the feet of his disciples. So Mary prefigures Jesus, what he shows them how to be a disciple. Judas, though, shows us that it's very possible to be near to Jesus, to be with Jesus, to agree with some of the teachings of Jesus, but in reality to be very distant from him in heart, in passion, devotion, To be familiar with Jesus, to be a church person, if you would, but to completely miss what it means to love Jesus and to be loved by him and how valuable that is. It is very possible to be content with a relationship with God that's marked by restraint and practicality and piety more than wild love and affection and devotion. But Mary shows us that there's so much more to knowing Jesus than mentally agreeing with Him or or just being around Him or just being involved in a church. There's so much more than a sterile, detached, cold, keep-it-to-yourself version of a relationship with Jesus. And I'm here today to tell you that there's so much more than that for you. There's so much more in your relationship with God than that, than something that's distant and cold and far. There's so much more for us as a church than that, than an interaction with God that is restrained and feels held back. There's so much more for us as Christians. We get the opportunity to be marked by lavish devotion to Jesus by all kinds of acts of devotion and service to Him because of what He's done to us. And so I don't want to take too much time today. I want to get through this quickly, but I want to unpack um, where I was directed in the Scripture um, this week to just talk about letting the direction of Jesus make your devotion Louder than your distractions. Letting the direction of Jesus, his life, make your devotion louder than any of the distractions. Is that all right? All right, that's cool. There's some people with me, all right. First of all, the direction of Jesus. And I, don't, I, I hope not to take long today, so please, um, please stay with me. Um, what do I mean by that, the direction of Jesus? The first thing you got to know about this passage is that it gets most of its meaning through the scenes before it and the scenes after it. And and Vince did an awesome job preaching on uh, uh, John chapter 11 for the past uh, few weeks. But the direction of Jesus, if you simply put it as this, death's curse is flowing in reverse. It's flowing the opposite way. Why do I say that? Because Lazarus is at the table. Lazarus is at the table last chapter. All right. So we had the same actors. We had Martha. We had Mary. We had Jesus, the disciples and Lazarus. But um, Lazarus was dead. All right. If you're not familiar with the story, Lazarus was dead and had been dead for four days and and Mary had spent some time at Jesus feet, but it wasn't in an act of devotion. She was weeping and saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't be dead. Lazarus is her brother. And Jesus sees that and he weeps with her, but he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. If anyone comes to me, he'll never taste death. Do you believe that? And she says, Yes. And then he goes and says, Open the tomb, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes forth. A little smelly, the scripture says, because he's been dead four days, but he comes forth. Death is flowing in reverse. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And then he raised somebody from the dead, something that no one's ever seen or heard before. And he does it in the power of God so that they would believe. And now we're in this chapter, and Lazarus is at the table. Put yourself in Mary's shoes right now. I don't know how many weeks or days it was before, but her brother was dead, and now he's here. And Jesus is he has to be in hiding because the, people, the, the, the uh, chief priests are looking to kill him and arrest him, but he visits their town, and they say, we're gonna throw a dinner in honor of you. He was dead, now he's alive. Last chapter, Mary wept at Jesus' feet, hopeless. And this chapter She's worshiping at his feet, not hopeless, full of gratitude and joy because of what Jesus has done in her life and who he is. She doesn't know what is about to happen in the rest of this chapter and and, and as time goes on, but she knows that when Jesus is in the room, even death does not have the last word. I don't know everything there is to know about this Jesus, but I know that my brother was dead and we buried him and we sealed the tomb and he's here sitting next to Jesus at dinner. Imagine the gratitude in her heart. The direction of Jesus. She got to see a little bit of it. She didn't know what was about to happen, but we do. This whole scene takes place on Passion Week. A few days later, before the Passover, depending on which book you read, this is either two days or four days before the Last Supper. And then Jesus' trial and crucifixion and death and burial within a matter of days after this event. It's leading up to the Passover when Jesus is going to give the full and final meaning to the the Passover because at the Last Supper, there's no mention of a lamb. You know why? Because he was gonna become the sacrificial lamb of God. Given once for the sins of the world. Jesus says, when she does this to his feet, Jesus says, she did this for my burial. He gives a new meaning to it that she didn't even know. What am I getting at? the direction of Jesus, his devotion to you is so much that he would hold back nothing, not even his own blood, to save you from every sin and to bring you into the deepest life and to secure for you eternal resurrection life with him. Do you see it? Do you see the direction of Jesus for your life? I know I'm jumping from there to us, but I'm here to talk to you, not to Mary, right? Do you see the direction of Jesus in your own life? Do you believe in the direction of Jesus? Do you believe that he is victorious over death? If you don't yet believe and know what Jesus did for you, you can know and find out and believe today that he came and lived a sinless life perfect life, and yet he died for our sins. He died the death we should have to give us life that begins now and goes on forever with him. Do you know that with Jesus, because of the direction of his life, that even situations that seem hopeless in your life right now are not hopeless? Do you know that if you're with Jesus, death doesn't have the last word? Do you know that if you're with Jesus and you feel hopeless right now, you may feel it, but you're not hopeless? Hashtag never hopeless. Right? Right? The direction of Jesus that he has for your life, because of his great devotion to you, he was not willing to even hold back his own blood so that he could bring you into life with him, to whosoever would believe in him. When you look at your relationship with Jesus, do you remember what it was like at the beginning? Do you remember what he saved you from? Where has he brought you through a hopeless situation in your life? Has that happened to anyone? Is there a time where you felt like you had no hope? You felt like it was over? You didn't know how God would get you through? And yet God brought you through in such a way that was so comforting, you didn't even know how to fully explain it and put it into words? Anyone? Praise God. We serve the same Jesus When you grasp the direction of Jesus for your life, the assurance that it brings that if I'm with him, nothing in my life that's threatening me has the last word. He does, and his last word is life forever. He has the last word, and his last word is life forever. When that is the direction that you are headed, when the end, when you wonder how things are going to work out, and that is the direction... Jesus is with me. He is victorious, so I am victorious. He never fails, so I will not fail in the end. When you grasp that, it changes your heart, and it wells up in you, and it flows over into devotion, just like Mary. You can't contain it. And it may may not make sense to others, but devotion and sacrifice, and affection, and love, and hope in Jesus. The direction of Jesus urges us to a type of devotion that's louder than anyone else who would object and say, hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. That doesn't even make sense. The direction of Jesus urges us to make our devotion louder than our distractions. Amen? So picture Mary. Martha's serving, um, which if you grew up in church, that's no surprise. Martha's always serving in every story. And uh, Lazarus is just being with Jesus, but Mary is overcome with gratitude. And so she takes this oil, this perfume that's usually in their culture used for uh, festivities, um, and she, she brings that Pure nard, the scripture says. First of all, um, nard is just, I want to say that all the time. Nard. Nard. Um. (laughs) But it's worth a year's wages. All right? So I calculated minimum wage in California just for no overtime, just 40 hours a week for a year, $20,800. Would be a year's wages today if you just if you worked for a minimum wage in our state. She takes a bottle of oil worth twenty thousand dollars. Give or take. And it's gone in a matter of minutes. The only thing left is the memory of the act and the scent just hanging in the air. And she unbinds her hair, which is something that a a respectable woman in that culture would never do in public. But she takes the position of a servant at Jesus' feet. He's reclining at the table. And she anoints his feet with the oil. She wipes it with her hair. And Judas... We don't really know. Maybe he's upset about the money. Maybe he's upset about what they could have done with it. Think about all the poor people that we could help. It was the time for Passover, and the tradition was to give gifts to the poor on the night before Passover, which is just a few nights away. Think about who we could have helped. Oh my gosh. Jesus, do you know how much this is worth? What could we have done with that? Maybe he's thinking about the money. Maybe he's got some good intentions. Maybe he doesn't at all. Or maybe it's just too much in your face and you can't handle it. (laughs) We have to watch this the whole time? This is is kind of intimate. Heads are turning. Eyebrows are raising. Even right now. I mean, can you guys imagine this? Has anyone ever had... A few people have had their feet washed. I know that. Yes? No? At least a couple people. Have you ever had your feet washed with $20,000 perfume? <laughs> okay, well, not $20,000. No, no, okay. No. All right. But then, have, have you ever had anyone wipe your feet with their hair? <laughs> no, right? But is the thought of it really awkward? Right? All right. Well, this wasn't like a common thing. <laughs> We don't, have any, we don't have any reason to believe that it's a common thing. It's a, very, it's a very, like, she was moved from her devotion. She's displaying an act of humility, her devotion, her willingness to serve, how much she values Jesus and her relationship with Jesus. But it is a little bit uncomfortable. And I think we as Christians, we tend to identify or want to identify with Mary here. You know, I want to be out of the box. I want to be, I have audacious love for God. I want to be not ashamed of who sees or disapproves, but we might actually identify more with Judas, if we're honest, if we were in the same situation. You know what I mean? No? Okay. <laughs> Anybody? No. no. All right, so I've been around you guys enough to know that you're pretty practical when it comes to money, right? Most, most people in here are pretty practical when it comes to money. I feel like that's kind of a culture of our, of our church, um, but you would splurge on like a nice dinner, or maybe you get like a nice, you know, if you're out uh, to dinner with your spouse, you would get a nice bottle of wine or a nice beer. You'd spend a few extra bucks, but no one's like popping bottles of Cristal at <laughs> at New City parties, are we? No, we're we're pretty frugal. I mean, you might, you might. You know, look at the the car that has the extra row of seats so you'll have a little more room for the kids, but you're not like signing up for a Lamborghini. Like, it's not, I mean, I don't know anyone in here who does. It's not a sin to have a Lamborghini, but um, I just don't know anyone that's doing that. That being said, what could you do with $20,800 right now? What could you do with it? Pay down some credit cards save up for a down payment for a house, maybe have a nice little nest egg, maybe give a lot to the poor and do do something really great, would you do, uh, buy gold? Would you use it for a lavish gift offering to Jesus that would be gone in a few minutes? Is that the first thing that comes to your mind? Is the point of devotion in your heart to Jesus that great and to that extent? See, we identify a little bit with Judas, but we're not called to that. Here's the thing. All of us have distractions. I like to call Judas in this passage the distraction. He's the objection. It says he objected to what happened. What is your distraction? What holds you back? What hinders you in your relationship with Jesus? Is it the words of others? Is it the thoughts of your own? Is it what your family or your friends might think? Is it what keeps you in the safe zone when it comes to Jesus? Because whatever that is, is a distraction, and it needs to be silenced. It needs to be drowned out by your devotion to Jesus. And you need to hear the words of Jesus wash over you and say, leave her alone. Leave him alone. This is for me. You can always do good things, but this is a special moment where she is cherishing me and my presence What is it for you? Is it freedom in worship? Do you long to really connect with God and worship, but just kind of feel held back? I tell you guys, there's no, like we don't have any like hands down rules here at New City, right? (laughs) If you want to put that hand up, you can do it. We don't have anyone who's in the back and like marking you out like, oh yeah, they raised their hand, all right. Okay, we're going to need to schedule a coffee and talk with them about that. You can be bold and extravagant in your expression of worship to God. We want that as a church. We want that as a church. We want our relationship with God to be more about just what we know and also connected to our hearts. It's okay to experience God's presence. It's okay to be moved to tears when you're singing to him. And I saw that today. I saw people worshiping. And I want, I want to encourage that. I want people to feel more and more free in that. Is it boldness in prayer? Do you feel led to pray for someone in faith for healing, but just not, you just feel held back? Like, well, I don't know. I don't know if God's going to heal them. I don't know if it's going to feel funny. I don't know. What's holding you back? Is it extravagance in giving? Is it God put a number in your head to give to the church or give to the poor? And you're like, ah. I don't think I could explain that if someone asked me. Maybe it's baptism. You know God commands it, but it just seems weird. That's kind of funky. What is it that's holding you back from devotion and sacrifice and love? Here's the thing. We can live and love and serve in the same way that Mary does. The same devotion with reckless abandon for what others might say or what our reputation might become, or whoever might argue with us or call us unwise and impractical, because to worship Jesus is full freedom and true devotion. If the people around you are scratching their heads and raising their eyebrows because of your devotion to Jesus, that's good. That's good. And Jesus will bring more meaning to it than you ever could know. I want to wrap up with the next point and uh, do something a little bit funky. All the new people are like, okay, what's this church like? (laughs) Yes, it's incense. There's no theological meaning going on there. But Jesus not only validates her act and says, you know what? I know, Judas, this seems crazy to you and doesn't make any sense. And I know that it seems like a big waste of money and we could have done all these other things with it and it's impractical. Leave her alone. She did this for me and it was intended that she would do this for my burial. I don't think she even knew the meaning that Jesus was assigning to it because in that culture, it was very common to use oils for burial. It was mostly associated with festivity and cleaning and kind of the head, right? Right? But he says, she's doing this for my burial because he knows where he's going to go. He gives it a new and fuller meaning. And he says, what she has done will be told everywhere. If you read the accounts in Matthew and Mark, not only are you not going to make her feel bad for doing this, I'm going to say that this story is going to be told all over the world. It's in three of the four gospels, and it has been told all over the world for centuries. He gives it a new meaning. And the scent of the perfume filled the whole house. Everyone that was there could smell it. And it was lingering in their mind. How many know that smells are really powerful? Smell is the, out of the five senses, that's the one that's most linked to memory and emotion. More than any of other senses. The other day, Hannah and I were cleaning at home, and I saw a sack of potatoes uh, on top of the fridge that apparently had been there longer than I knew. And, uh, and I moved it, you know, to, to go throw it away. And they were rotten, and it was so bad. I had to leave the kitchen and leave the house before I could even like muster up the strength to throw it away. It was that bad. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry I failed you guys and let like, potatoes go rotten in my own house. That's, that's a reflection on my character. But um, hopefully it's not. But there's a stench that sticks in your mind and then there's a sweet smell that sticks in your mind. I, I, I put on cologne this morning and I was thinking about, it was my favorite cologne and while we were dating, uh, Hannah wanted to get me cologne, I think it was for Christmas one year and she asked me what kind I liked. And I told her the brand, and so, you know, you know, Christmas, open up the gift. It's the right brand, but it's the wrong cologne, <laughs> right? And I'm like, this is cool, and no, oh, this is awesome. This, I, you know, I'm thinking of you every time, right? So the next year comes by, Christmas. Hey, I want to get you that cologne, right? I open it up. It's the cologne. It's the right brand. It's another wrong one. <laughs> within the right brand, and so when I ran out of both of those. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. When I ran out of both of those, I'm just gonna ignore that. And, uh, scratch that from the record. No. I went out and bought the one that was the right brand and the one I liked. But you know what? Every time I use it now, I still think of her. And I, I still think of her love for me and just her personality and quirkiness. There's power in a scent. Some of you guys are thinking of her personality and quirkiness right now. You can tell with the laughter. In the last chapter before this, they're afraid to open the tomb of Lazarus because of the stench of death. He's been dead four days. We can't, Jesus, are you sure you want us to open that? <laughs> it's gonna be worse than potatoes. <laughs> Trust me. For burial, yeah. So the last chapter, they're afraid of the stench of death. and this chapter, we've got another smell. But it's sweet and it's hanging in the room. But it still represents death. Jesus' death. Why is it sweet? Why is this death a sweet smell that's hanging in the room? Because it's God's lavish act of devotion to us. Do you guys see that? The God of all eternity, the God of the whole universe, the God who there was nothing before he spoke and then he spoke and then it existed. The creative God would humbly take his own body and blood, his son, to be broken and poured out for the sins of the world of you and I and to bring many to life with him. The perfume is sweet because his death brings life. His death brings life. And the direction of his life is such great devotion to you that even death won't keep him from you. The grave could not hold him from you or you from him when you put your faith in him. You see, the culture's narrative says, find what makes you happy and then don't let anything keep you from doing more of it. Because that's what's going to make you happy. But the gospel says, find the one who made you and died for you to live and don't let anything keep you from living for him with your whole being, even down to your hair. To worship him with such devotion, to live with for him with such devotion that every part of your whole being is devoted to Jesus. That's what we're called to, to say no to the distractions and to let the direction of Jesus that he's called us to and the hope that he's put in our hearts to guide us toward him. Amen? Amen? You look at Jesus' act of devotion, many could say, how could God do that? Die for us? Give up his own son? Seems kind of extravagant. Couldn't he have done it another way? The cross has always been a stumbling block for some and foolishness for others, but to us who are being saved, Corinthians says, it's the very power of God and the wisdom of God. How lavish a gift, how sweet an aroma that still lingers in the church today in the hearts of those who have been changed by Jesus Christ. Amen? And I'm wrapping up uh, with this. If that scent goes on, just like it hung in the air, um, I guess it's just to have to ask, you know, how are you smelling? How are you smelling, bro? It's okay, you can laugh. <laughs> nard, smelling like Nard. Here's why: you never know who you're going to affect. This is why you need to not be shut down by the distractions and the people say, no, that doesn't make sense. That's a little too crazy. You love Jesus a little bit too much because you never know who you're going to affect in a positive way. You never know how many people are going to be blessed, encouraged, convicted, moved for more love and devotion to Jesus by you just being true and devoted to Him. Amen? By putting all the distractions away and saying, God can use this. It's for his glory. And look, instead of being put down and talked down to, Jesus says, leave her alone. Everyone's gonna know about this and how much she valued and treasured me. I was talking with my wife Hannah this week about, um, just this story came up. with She actually babysat for this family this week, but a long time ago when she was young, I think she started uh, somewhere early teenage years, she was babysitting for their kids. And um, the the family went to the same church as her. And and, uh, she babysat for them for a few years. And then when she turned 18, she got a letter from the mom. And uh, the mom said, since you were 11, I noticed how freely you worshiped God in church. And I just kept seeing it. And as the years went on, and as we asked you to babysit for our girls, my prayer became for my three girls, I want them to worship God as freely and as holy as you do. And Hannah had no idea that God was using the way that she was worshiping to bless someone else and to bless a whole new generation of prayers. You never know who you're going to bless, who you're going to affect, who's going to smell that aroma of your life when it's poured out before Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for your love. Father, we thank you. The gift of your son was not, you did not consider that too high of a price. Too much of a cost to give to redeem us, God. Or that when we were your enemies, God, you brought us in. God, when we were far from you, you adopted us and called us daughters and sons. Lord, that you became our father and you became our king in a kingdom that goes on forever and and ever and ever. Lord, we cannot thank you enough. God, I know there may be people here today within the sound of my voice, that feel hopeless, that feel at the dead end, or that feel like even though they know you and know about you, that they feel so far from you. God, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would break into each and every life, God, in the way that only you can. I can't do that. You can, God. We pray and ask that in faith, Lord. I pray for this church, God. Pray for this church, God. That we would be known by lavish acts of devotion and worship to you, God. That no one could hold us back from deep love and gratitude to you, God. God, that we would appreciate so much your presence in our lives, God. That we wouldn't take for granted being near to you, we wouldn't take for granted knowing of your grace and knowing of your love, God. And if we have, God, that we would know that your gift, your act on the cross, Lord, covers even that, even that failure of ours, Lord. God, I pray for encouragement. I pray for strength. I pray that just like Mary experienced complete vulnerability and sadness and hopelessness at your feet, God, But then she saw that no situation with you is hopeless, God. That when we are with you, we are not hopeless, God. We are never hopeless. But we have hope upon hope and glory upon glory, God. And we have a bright, shining future with you, worshiping you and enjoying you forever, God. Pray that that will become more and more real, God, and that that aroma of your sacrifice would fill our hearts just like this incense is filling the room right now and we smell it I pray that we would remember it we would remember your love for us and we would shut out every distraction and come before you with hearts of devotion Jesus name amen amen